All right, welcome back to the nation. Chris Lowe, Austin Price. We're at Texas Roadhouse. And we'll go to the phone lines and welcome in Tennessee head basketball coach Rick Barnes, the biggest NASCAR fan in Knox County. Is that true, Coach? Well, you hit me at the wrong time right here. You know, there's only 40 laps to go. They're at Kansas right now. And uh, <laughs> so I'm talking to you, but I, I, I did turn the sound down so I wouldn't interrupt our conversation. But it's, uh, it's, an int- it's been an interesting day in Kansas. Did it, did it tear you up when Blaney went into the wall? Well, he's going behind the wall right now. You know, that's a tough one. You know, that's uh, they've had. Tr- I think they've had trouble with all the change in temperature. They said it dropped like 10, 12, 15 degrees from the start. But uh, it's interesting. With forty to go, it's going. We're going to see what happens. Who, I wish you, you and I were there. Who, who did you grow up uh, rooting for in NASCAR, coach? You know, it's really funny that you asked me that because I, I did. My first guy that I really, when I really got into NASCAR, was Fire Glenn Fireball Roberts. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the very first time that I ever got to leave Hickory and go to a Charlotte Motor Speedway, I think it was 63 or 64, David Church, who was a classmate of mine in the third or fourth grade, his family took me with him to the race. And it was actually that race where where he got, he turned out being his last race. You know, he died a couple of weeks later from uh, pneumonia. But he and Ned Jarrett and those guys had a, I mean, it was a massive, you look it up on YouTube, I mean, it was a massive wreck back then, and, you know, everything wasn't anything like it like it is today. But uh, I was actually at that race when, when that happened. We're talking with Tennessee head basketball coach Rick Barnes. Rick, let's get to your basketball team. Uh, for old guys like me, you know, I'm used to watching back when I was a kid, teams stay together for three and even four years. It's not like that in college basketball anymore. You've got a lot of new faces on this team. What have you seen from this club? As you guys now, what about a little more than a week away from your first exhibition? Well, Chris, I'm with you. I, you know, we want to continue to try to do that. You know, we 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 did go into the portal for one player that we're really excited about, Justin Powell. But we decided that we were going to try to do what you said. We want to put a group of guys together that we hope will stay together. And you know, uh, we've gotten really really good leadership from a group of guys. You know, Santiago and and John Fulkerson and, and Josiah James, those guys have done a really good job with the, the leadership. That it's going to be hard to get that if you don't have guys that stay together year, year in and year out and, and maintain, I think, the kind of culture you want to maintain you know, year-round. But uh, uh, we're excited. You know, we, had, we had a nice scrimmage yesterday with Davidson. I thought it was really beneficial for both teams. You know, Bob McKellip and I started coaching together back in 19. 19- 78 at Davidson College, and we've we've remained close friends through the years. And you know, Bob's one of the best coaches in college basketball, and and we've been scrimmaging now probably going on 20 years from my time at Texas and now at Tennessee, and uh, and it was good for both of us. You know, I think it was really a good day for all of us. And and every year we come out of that that scrimmage, you know, knowing it was a good thing. And uh, I would like to think going forward that uh, the NCAA would allow us to play a couple exhibition games above and beyond what we're doing right now. You know, keep it locally, but allow us to do more before the season starts because the fact that we're practicing year-round now, it, it was just good yesterday. To, and I think both teams would tell you, both players from both teams would tell you, it was just great to get some outside competition and everybody gets tired of you know going against themselves for such a long period of time. Hey, Coach, it's Austin again. Uh, you look at the game, it gradually changes every year, so you're constantly having to adapt a little. But when you look at how the landscape of, of college athletics has changed with the portal 
and, and, and just all the different stuff that goes on now compared to what was even two or three years ago. How much have you as a veteran coach, an experienced mm-hmm. coach, had to maybe adapt your line of thinking um, with some of this stuff? Well, I, I do think you have to think about it. And I, I think what happens with the portal, I, I think in all honesty, is that you do think at the end of the year things aren't going well, you know, uh, or whatever you might be. You, you don't get in recruiting in the early part that you can pick it up that way, which the sad part about that, I think that, and it, and don't get me wrong here, but, you know, tampering has always gone on in our business, you know. I mean, now with EYBL and all that, you know, summer ba- uh, basketball leagues, you know who's happy, who's not happy at, at places. What what concerns me about the portal more than anything is that's going to get amped up even more. And uh, and I've always been for uh, players to be able to go and leave, and, and I think they should be able to play. I like the one-time transfer. I do. Uh, I think it's fair. But, I, again, the landscape you're talking about, I don't think any of us truly understand all of it yet because I think we'll find out that a lot of players that go into the transfer portal, it doesn't work out the way they thought it was, and they left behind a better situation than they went into. And I, I think only time is going to prove that one way or the other. And uh, there will be some that will excel, obviously, but there will be some that uh, that will struggle. But I also think it's it's a really tough thing for you know mid level, low level schools because uh, it's going to be hard for them, especially to try to hold on to their players. Rick, two of the uh, two of the newcomers. Both point guards, uh, Kennedy Chandler, a really highly rated player from Memphis. But one of the kids you got late, I know in talking with you at your golf tournament for Animal Youth, which, by the way, raised over $300,000 for that fine foundation. But we were talking about the newest, I guess one of the newest players, Zakai Ziegler from up in the New York area. You, you told me a great story about him. You were checking with him, I guess, right before he got on campus, and he was telling you he was going to go play basketball that night, and you asked him where he was going. He was going outdoor to the playgrounds to play. You don't see that anymore, do you? You don't. It's funny because I, I don't think I would have ever – I don't know if I've asked anyone that question in years, Chris, where I said – he said, I'm going to play. I said, you playing indoors or outdoors? And he said outdoors. And I and I, I knew he was going somewhere because I could hear he was on the subway. I could tell he was on the subway when we were talking. But, you know, both he and Kennedy have been a great addition for our team. I mean, they're both – you know, the guys love them to death. They both are, are players that – got you know different unique personalities both of them are highly competitive both of them and they've been good for each other to be quite honest with you they've been i think santiago would tell you it's been good for him i mean you know they both of those guys bring bring a little different game obviously when they come onto the court but you know santi's improved tremendously from from a year ago and but having to deal with that type of competition every day and realizing that, you know, we're going to play them together. We can end up at times as you're playing all three of them at one time because they all three complement each other in so many different ways. But, uh, you know, when I say that, the whole key to when who you play together really gets more, more I think, going on the defensive end. Can you, can you defend people? But uh, the fact is we really are excited about those three guys combined because we just think we're going to be able to, push the pace that we've always been wanting to push and shoot the ball the way we want to shoot it. And uh, But having both of those new guys has been a real plus for us. When you look at some of the older guys, everybody wants to talk about John, but 
how important is a guy like Olivier Camois? And, and how much do you have to just kind of impress upon a kid? Because every kid wants to have an impact as soon as they arrive. That Hey, sometimes it takes some time. It takes a couple of years to really kind of find your footing and, and develop. You know, that, that, that's, a, that's a great insight, and you're right. It, it, you know, I, I think most kids come in and think it's just going to be easy, and Olivier is a, a perfect example of what you just said, where he would tell you that what he thought and what turned out is nothing what he thought and realizing the adjustment that has to be made, understanding there's so much more to the game than, than I think players understand coming in. I mean, you know, because – as much as you – like, we have players come that and watch us practice that we're recruiting, and the players talk to them, and, and when the players ask – or, or I might ask, are you ready for this? Everyone's going to say absolutely. But the players here will look like, well, I said the same thing, and it was a major, you know, major adjustment for me. And it's going to be a major adjustment for anybody that comes in. But uh, I, I do think it – you know, and some players adjust a little bit quicker. Don't don't get me wrong there. Some of them pick it up quicker, but uh, there's just so much more to it. And where they're wanting to go to play at the very highest level, it, it's really it's really hard to be you know one of you know three four hundred fifty players, you know, and uh, play in the NBA every year. But uh, as long as you get guys who are trying to fight and work every day to get better and understand that along the way them getting better, they've got to understand the role they have to play on the team. And when all that comes together, what makes what we do a, a lot of fun. We're talking with Tennessee head basketball coach Rick Barnes here on The Nation. Rick, uh, two more freshmen, Bradley, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield and Jonas Adu, both kids 6'10-plus. Physically, where are they? And, and what will be their greatest challenge to get on the court and help you guys this year? Well, again, I, I see both of them. I think both of them have, you know, uh, uh, the ability to obviously play at the highest level and, and, and do a lot of good things. Uh, I, I see Brandon getting better each and every day. We saw Jonas trending in that way, but he, he picked up uh, Mono and has missed the last couple of weeks. And this is a really difficult time of year to miss anything. And because, you know, that once you, once you get Mono, you know, you're going to be out for three weeks at a minimum. And this time of year, it's really difficult to, you know, but he'll, he'll, he'll come back and he'll, uh, I think he'll be cleared uh, after this week. I believe that that will be the end of the three week period. And, but then he'll start working his way back. But, you know, we, uh, Brandon has done some good things. You know, he did some good things for us yesterday and we're excited about him because we feel like, again, he's one of those players that came in probably um, not realizing the adjustment. Um, and again, that's typical. Don't get me wrong. I think most guys come in like that. And I mean, Ken- Kennedy Chandler and Zakai would tell you the same thing. They've had to learn to adjust quickly. And 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 how quickly you, you do adjust is probably the key to how many minutes you can get on the floor and and early. And and uh, but there's no doubt that we need right now at this point in time we need Brandon to to get there quickly. And he's and he's moving, trending in that direction. And then we'll have to again get Jonas back as soon as we can and get him get him going again coach you you coach all your kids really hard do, uh, do you look at john fulgerson any differently he's so old now you know what i mean like do you rely on him in a different way than maybe you did two years ago no you know it's funny yesterday i will tell you this that one of the referees came over i was you know we had referees yesterday and i don't know i i, I don't know if i yell i made people say i'm yelling but 
I heard Santiago say to the referee, if, if coach is yelling at you, he likes you. If he's not yelling at you, he doesn't like you. <laughs> and I had, and, and the referee smiled about it. And I said, well, I wasn't yelling. He said, well, you was pretty loud, you know, but, uh, uh, he, it's, you, you know, Folky, you know, think about it. I'm starting my, my seventh year and he's starting his sixth. And, uh, so he's been here. I don't know what I'm going to do without him. And, uh, you know, the guys love him. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's done everything that we've asked him to do in our program. I mean, you know, he's, uh, you, you guys know him. I mean, he's such a wonderful person. And he's got, you know, he, he he's a guy that maybe doesn't look the part when it comes to basketball, but he plays it. He's got some innate instincts that I wish I could teach to a bunch of guys. He's got he's got really good feel. You know, he uh, can pass the ball. He likes to pass the ball, but he's, you know, he's slippery. He, he, he sees things and, um, uh, he understands it. I mean, and you would expect him to at this point in time. But uh, it's really neat when, when we can get he and Santiago or he and Josiah, they get on the same side together when we're playing some two-man games because those guys get real creative. They do some things that once they do it, you like to say, man, we need to make that a play. But once you try to make it a play, it doesn't work. You know, it's just their instincts at times take over, and, it, and it's exciting when to see how those guys play with each other. Well, Rick, we're going to get a chat here. I do want to ask you, last week the news coming down that uh, the attorney for former coach Jeremy Pruitt threatening a lawsuit mentioned a ton of people's names in it, including yours. When you saw that, what went through your mind? Well, you know what? and You and I spoke about it, and it was disappointing. You know, it really was because, you know, there's been a lot of people here at this university through Jeremy's time here that really supported him. And like I said to you, and we and we talked about it, Chris, uh, it's disappointing because you know he, he 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 did he had a wonderful opportunity at this university and you hate it and at some point in time instead of throwing other people's names around he's, if he if he wants to do something he's going to have to some way defend his actions and what went on here and and like I said to you you know I, I admire once this hit the the university they uh, they reacted quickly I mean you know and I don't think there's any question there's things that were being you know kept. You know, people trying to keep it behind, but I, I do know this: that once it got to the highest level and it came out, our university reacted in the right way, and uh, I, and I admire them for doing that. And I think they know that. Uh, and I said it: you know, Jeremy created a mess, and, and he's going to have to deal with that. And, and all I can do right now is, is I, I'm not trying to throw anything on Jeremy. I'm, I, I said to you, I think too. I'm. All I can do is pray for him and his family. I think they're going through a very. It's a really difficult time right now. You know when. You have a great opportunity like that, and you, and it gets away from you, and and you look back on it. But at some point in time, he's got to look back and understand that the things that went on was under his leadership, and he's he's responsible for it. And and that, uh, but it it was disappointing to sum it up. And like I said, I hate it. I I really hate it that it that he would do something like that to so many people that really went out of their way to try to help him. Well, Rick, man, we really appreciate you spending some time tonight. And our good buddy Tony White says he's got those ribs ready for you when you make the call. Well, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready. I, he, Tony still – I don't know when you and he have conversations, I don't understand how he can ever throw the word defense around. You know, <laughs> I don't. I just don't think that when they were doing a scouting report on Tony White, at no point in time did they say that you've got to be aware of where he is on the floor defensively, that he's going to come up with some steals or deflections. Now, I think they did talk about that you better be ready because the time he gets off the bus, he's going to start shooting, you know. 
But, he's, uh, not, he's not here to yeah. defend himself, speaking of defense. Yeah, we'll, he's not. We'll, we'll, we'll continue that conversation down the road with okay. him. But, All right. Hey, Rick, thanks for your time, man. We really appreciate All it. Right, okay? Thank you, guys. Appreciate All it. Right. All right.